everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Koke, a podcast for all generations. Koke means openly, it means to be open, and here at Koke, we encourage everyone to listen Koke, speak Koke, and think Koke. I'm Simran. It's Harpo. I'm Nimrit. This is episode 10, and today we're talking about mental health in the South Asian community. We want to talk about our experiences with mental health, the stigmas that surround it for South Asians specifically, and also why this topic is so important. And today we have another lovely special guest joining us for this episode. We have Faithahi. She is a writer, editor at Bronco Magazine, and she's also chair of Outreach at Manmukti, which is a South Asian group for raising awareness for mental health. Um, tell us a bit about yourself, Faithahi. Hi, guys. It's great to be with you, first of all. Um, I'm definitely looking forward to talking with you guys today. Um, a little bit about me. So I'm 24 years old, um, originally from Canada. I was born in Ottawa, Ontario, but now I live in the States um, in Columbia, South Carolina. Um, I am a current grad student at the University of South Carolina. Um, I'm studying public health and um, I have been involved in South Asian mental health for the past, I think, three or four years now. Um, wow. So, yeah, that's a little bit about me. That's amazing. Three, four years, that's a long time. Yeah. Um, how did you get started with those groups? So, the funny thing is, like, I think me getting involved had to do a lot with my own struggle um, throughout, I guess, I usually say that, you know, my struggle kind of started in college, but I think my struggle with mental health actually started back when I was in high school. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I think, you know, as South Asian kids are kind of, it's always been like, you have to be good at like your STEM courses. So like anything that's science, um, technology, engineering math related you always have to be good at those courses and for me it was actually always a struggle um and I was really really bad at math that's what I was always very bad at and um I my grades started slipping then um and of course it like back then it was you know for going from an A to a B and it wasn't you know that serious or anything but as time went on and as like I guess um, I went further in my studies and stuff, it, it got a lot worse and it, it didn't just, you know, stay at, oh, going from an A to a B, it meant me losing weight, me developing suicidal thoughts. It, it went from zero to a hundred for, for lack of better terms. Mm-hmm. And, um, I guess like everything that I'm involved in now was my way of getting out of what I guess sort of hole I was in Mm -hmm. um at some point because I think my biggest problem you know and I think a lot of people have this problem is that I didn't have anyone around me that understood what was going on with me so it was always um a situation where I was alone and I didn't know how to get out and I guess I didn't really like find a way out until I I discovered writing and um I think the first two years I started writing um it didn't really do much it didn't really gain much traction but I think after I started joining brown girl I after I joined brown girl um 
that's, I guess, when I think, you know, my involvement in my community and everything, you know, took off a lot more um, in the Mm -hmm. sense that that's when I like started finding out that, you know, I can get involved in other stuff and help, you know, people around me that, you know, may experience the same things that I do. Um, and that's actually how I found out about Munmukti. So, um, two of the girls that I worked so, with, hang on, hang on, um, hang on, Vedi, before you go there, um, there's so much in what you're saying that I can relate to. And I don't know about Simran and Harpo, but you're nodding your heads. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, a lot. So, <laughs> okay. so what of, what of that story that you hear either of you, can you relate to? I think the, the part about, um, Going from zero to hundred. I mean, yeah. I personally haven't experienced something to that extent, and when it comes to my mental health. But I think that the way that you describe just how quickly it happens and how it kind of like mm-hmm. snowballs is something that perhaps we don't necessarily slow down and think about um, when it comes to mental health or mental illness. We don't think about it, and I think the way that you're describing it, how quickly it, it progressed, is was really interesting for me because sometimes I see myself like doing something or I mean just currently where I am in my life right now I think like oh I'm I'm in control I'm okay but it's just it's just that quick and that was something that I was like "Mm, okay (laughs) okay (laughs) how about you Simran I think for me when you were talking about like how you you said that you thought it was in college but then really you go and trace it back to so much earlier that's resonated with me like this exactly the same way like you can picture like the lit, the big like um, things that are more obvious happening to you at a certain point. And you're like, oh, that must be where it started. It's like those come from somewhere. Yeah. Like, everything comes from somewhere. I think for myself, it was the same thing. Like I noticed a big change in my first year of university it was the worst, the worst. And I blamed it on the transition from high school to uni and not understanding classes and being overwhelmed and anxious. And I blamed it on all those things. Like, Oh, it's a new thing. That's why I'm scared. That's why it's happening. But like really had to go back to actually last year wasn't so great either. Like sure you got A's or you got in TVC, but like it wasn't the greatest year and you weren't doing well. And then you keep going back and back and back. And like, that's, that's yeah. still work in progress, but it's good to realize those things. You know, absolutely. I'm like, sorry. No, that's okay. I was just thinking, you guys are so so cute. You're talking about like years ago. Just yesterday, this happened to me. Like seriously. Yeah. I was going along. I was having an okay day, and suddenly a thought came into my mind, and I just started started feeling not good enough, and it snowballed. And you know, I was out and about doing my stuff. I had errands to run, and I remember driving home, bawling my eyes out. Wow. And I just cried all the way home from like Broadway. Oh and it was so weird because it's like, I'm not even unhappy. I'm not unhappy. There's nothing major going wrong in my mm-hmm. life. But it was a thought that made me feel a certain way. And the way that I was feeling yeah. was just so rotten mm-hmm. and just not good yeah. enough. And so, you know, so my pattern is I cried and then I got home and I kind of talked to Shubhneet and then, and then I started looking at what was going on in my brain and I recovered. Mm-hmm. But that was a really quick recovery. When I was younger, I used to go into those holes of blackness or whatever you want to call it. I don't know if it was depression. I could go there for months, three months. Oh, yeah. yeah. And both of you yeah. guys are raising your hands. It's like, yeah, everyone's like, can I say something about that? Because I <laughs> yeah. can really. Yeah. <laughs> <Go ahead. laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's really it's hard to such do. A, it's such a universal experience. But like, I don't think like in the moment we don't realize that, but like in 
if we like step back and look at it and like you know especially in the, I guess this day and age like if if we especially like, when we're talking about it and stuff like we do definitely realize like this isn't something that just affects one person right. it's so many people mm-hmm. one thing I learned uh last year after I moved um someone said something to me and it was that uh, everyone has a mental health, but not everyone has a mental illness. And that was something that I was like, oh, yeah. Ooh, like something mm-hmm. clicked when I heard that phrase, because I think that mm-hmm. um, if you don't have a diagnosed, like perhaps a diagnosed uh, mental illness, we don't think that we have to take care of our mental health because there's quote unquote nothing wrong with us. I mean, I'm not saying that when you have a mental illness, something is, but I think we just don't pay enough attention to our mental health when that happens. And so, um, you know, we don't really take accountability for, you know, like, like, you know, you, you yesterday, you were able to kind of like put into motion what you needed. And so many of us just think I'm okay. It's just a phase. But for me personally, like, I think that in the last maybe two months, I've been consistently having like anxiety slash panic attacks. And I keep thinking that I'm in a good place in my life right now, so I don't have to worry about it, but I'm not stopping Mm. to like check myself and check my mental health because I'm thinking, oh, this is just the way it is, you know? Yeah. And you guys were talking about how busy you are and, and, you know, you keep going and going and going. And I think my way of like helping myself is not over scheduling. So actual things where I have to go out and meet somebody or I have an appointment, I, I, I don't like, I do less of that. I have days where I feel really productive and I want to do that. I love running errands. It's my favorite thing to do, but my way of like saving or protecting myself from being overwhelmed is not scheduling those things, but then my to-do list of like things that I need to do that's just on me it's not meeting other people it's not going out and doing those things like that I'll just write the whole thing for one day of like 75 things and I'm like you're not going to do all those 75 things in one day you cannot and you're not going to be happy because you and then I just sit there and I think about it and I don't do them and it makes me even crazier and then I just don't go outside Mm-hmm. So now I've had to learn, like being here especially has taught me this. And I think when I went on my exchange to England a couple of years ago, three years ago, I learned this as well. And I came back and I was good about doing it. And then I lost that habit. And then I've had to come back and relearn it. And I didn't think I would have to relearn it. I thought I would be fine. I don't know. It's just trying to balance and figure out what works for you. But that you can't always fix everything yourself. I think I tried to fix myself. And I, I can't do that myself. Mm-hmm. I completely relate to that. Like, I, I and that's, like, like I, that's something I've always been, like, very, very bent on. I guess being an only child, it, it's kind of, like, you, like, you're kind of raised to be a little bit independent in that sense. And you mm-hmm. don't really, you know, have anybody else around you. Because my family, like, it's just me, my mom and dad. And then yeah. my extended family is in Canada and India. So, like... I don't really have like family around me and so like you know everything is I have to fix it like no one else is like responsible but me like I have to do this and I guess like when you put so much pressure on yourself to like be so responsible like at some point you just explode yeah and you you can't anymore so I mean, I guess what I'm curious about is, and we're all curious about, is to know more about Munmukti and your work with them, and what it means to have a group, like, of South Asians for South Asians about mental health and why it's so important. 
So um, Man Mukti was actually formed. So our founder, um, Abi, he actually had a very, very close friend um, that he had grown up with. And unfortunately, this friend of his passed away from his uh, battle with mental illness. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I guess being South Asian, you know, we're always taught that mental health and mental illness aren't necessarily real and they're not you know caused by like imbalances and stuff like that like that's there's nothing you know that suggests that according to a lot of South Asian people Mm -hmm. and so his kind of thought process was well what if you know I could create like a group of people that you know bring awareness to this and say hey like this is an actual problem it's not you know just something that's made up or you know something that we're just completely pulling out of nowhere maybe we can help people that way and that really really came from him you know wanting to help his friend that he lost um so i actually got involved in manmukti back when um i was kind of actually just starting out with brown growing because this back in 2017. Um, and this was when Manmukti was still kind of an idea. It wasn't really an actual like organization yet. But um, two of the girls that I worked with at Brown Girl had kind of just put in our Facebook group like, hey, um, we have this idea for this organization that we want to create. Um, does anybody want to join? And at this point, I think I was still like, coming to terms with like actually being open about my mental health and what I had been through and everything. Um, and this was like the very, very beginning of when, when I started really talking about all this, um, because I did join Brown girl as a writer for, um, human rights and mental health. So, Mm -hmm. um, that was kind of like the beginning for me of, you know, really talking about stuff like this. And for me, it's always been, like, since, I guess, I started writing and everything, it's always been, eh, why not? Like, might as well try it, you know? And so yeah. I went in with the same mindset. I was like, well, might as well see what it has to offer, you know? There's there's not a big deal in just seeing what, you know, they, they're doing. And so I talked to them, and they were like, yeah, we're looking for ambassadors, you know? We just want to kind of get the word out and, like, um, spread awareness about, you know, getting rid of the stigma that's associated with mental health and um, mental illness in the South Asian society. And so at one point, um, they actually formed a team, um, which was spe- specifically like dedicated towards development. And they were looking for someone who would serve as outreach. So what I'm really curious about is something that you said, Vidhi. It was about how perhaps you didn't really understand um, how you were feeling or you were kind of unsure about going into Manmukti because perhaps, you know, we're not necessarily taught, you said, about um, taught about mental health or mental, mental illness. Um, I mean, why do you think that is? Why do you think that that might be something that's specific to us in our community? Why do you think we're not taught those things? Why we're not taught to a um have mental health issues or be that like we it's okay for us to talk about them and and address them and fix them I think this has a lot to do with the fact that you know 
mental illness is is technically an invisible illness. It's not something that, you know, you can actually see. Like, if you have a broken bone, like, you're definitely going to see something wrong with your broken bone. Mm-hmm. But I think with mental illness, it's it's one of those things that, you know, just saying, like, oh, I'm feeling sad or, oh, I don't want to come out of my room or something like that. People don't necessarily understand that. Right. And I think especially for... um you know, South Asians, like, we're, I think, we're so high-functioning that, like, for a lot of people, that just doesn't make sense. Totally. Simran, it looked like you were able to... (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's it. So, that's such a great word. High-functioning, yeah. Like, attach it not only just high-functioning, not only just to, like, me as a person, but, like, as a community, we're like this. Like, so much stuff can be going on, but we still get things done. Mm-hmm. That's how what we're taught to do is just get it done no matter what's happening. Wow. And I just want to add uh, for the high functioning, you know, we all happen to be all women. Uh, women especially are really high yeah. functioning. It's like, oh yeah, I could be ill. The in-laws are ill. My parents are ill. My kids are young, but I'm going to cook a three course meal and then I'm going to get the, all the laundry done. Yeah, and, and it's going to be delicious. Super warm. Yeah, totally. I think even like in wow. general, like it's so funny because I was having this conversation with my mom last night. I think it's so odd that that always happens to me that like, oh, that happened yesterday. <laughs> I'm recording a podcast on it today that I was talking to my mom about, um, how my mom had a I think a couple miscarriages when I was younger and so I very like candidly asked my mom last night I said mom were you depressed at that point in time because um we were here and then all of a sudden when I was young we packed up and like went to India for like a month or so so that my mom could stay with her mom and I very candidly asked my mom last night I'm like mom were you depressed then and she's like yeah that's why my doctor told your dad to take me to go live with my mom for a whole month or so and I said mom you never told me that that's something we've never discussed and it was kind of just like she kind of just like shrugged her shoulders and that was it that was the extent of our conversation and I for years for 10 plus years had no idea my mom had gone through depression as a result of her miscarriages and that's so true because we're so high functioning that I I never even st- like I still till this day can't even um, think about an example that of my mom displaying signs of depression when I was younger because it's just not in the script well as a mom what I can say is um, I went through being a single mother with very young children and going through a breakup and all of that and what was happening in my brain was I didn't want it to affect my children. So I didn't talk about it. And I talked to my sisters about it. or I talked to my coach about it. But what I realized was by not talking about it, I was actually teaching my own children to then not talk about it. Mm-hmm. Do you know how the cycle continues? And I, Absolutely. I was like, what? Because I was not showing my emotions. So Simon wasn't showing her emotions. And Shubni was, you know, showing too many yeah. emotions. Shubni was like a few years younger than me. So she didn't even know how to like... Um, I don't think she knew how to, what's the word, regulate her emotions that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I think I played I played mediator role. You know, I would deal with stuff with my dad, but because, like, I think I just never knew that I, it was okay. I knew it was okay. Like, you told me it was okay. You can talk about stuff that's going on with your dad. But I never knew how to do that or didn't want to do that because I was trying to be high-functioning. And I was trying to be, like, this shit's all going on and it's really, like, hard for me. But... But it's fine because other people have it worse or it's not that big a deal or whatever. And I don't want to make my mom upset. 
and I don't want to make my sister upset. But then Shamit was younger and didn't know how to regulate that or like that and was just so like innocent and would just go and tell mom what's going on. And, I, and then mom would come to me and be like, what is this happening? And you're not like, you're, are you okay? Like, you, I remember that having those, that dynamic, but I still didn't want to talk about it. I think we all want to save each other. We want to not make it yeah. hard for the other person by not speaking. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what the stigma is. Which around ends that. up doing, I think doing more harm than mm-hmm. anything because. Oh Yeah. There's a key word that Auntie just said, and it was stigma. And that was actually something that I was curious about mm-hmm. because I have thoughts around this. But Vedahi, what do you think that some of the, um, like, I feel like, okay, you put that wonderfully into terms, this idea of high functioning that I don't mm-hmm. think that we necessarily think about. What are some other mm-hmm. things yeah. that perhaps you've noticed in your work um, specifically with an organization that's dedicated to doing work around mental health issues for the South Asian community. What do you think the specific stigma is? And I mean, me and you, like, obviously I've talked about this on the side, not in this setting, yeah. but, you know, and I want you to go into that. What do you think some of the stigma is? I mean, I think the biggest stigma is that, you know, if you have a mental illness, like society can't know mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. if society somehow knows, it either affects your family somehow, it affects your work, your personal life somehow some way and I mean to me that's ridiculous because you know you're who who, whatever you are whatever you're experiencing shouldn't define an illness that you have like that's the the the, Mm -hmm. I don't you know I don't see that connection Mm -hmm. that that, that doesn't make sense to me that you know just because you have a mental illness means you're somehow lesser than somebody else um I think, you know, going obviously back to the whole idea of being high functioning, I think we're always taught that South Asians are on top. You have to be on top. Um, And when we're not, it's like, okay, well, what's wrong with you? Why aren't you studying? Do you have a bad attitude? Like, what's wrong with you? Mm -hmm. And so I I think that's like a really big thing. And I think, you know, that was one of the things like I, I actually was really happy was brought up in the, you know, the Bollywood industry when Fat is a Mean Birth came out. Yeah. Um, I yeah. like I was very happy to like see a movie that actually like talked about like that sort of um, dynamic where you have this very, very high achieving, high functioning brother. And then you have this um, other brother that's, you know not considered high functioning because he's not succeeding at everything he's doing but it it turned out he was just dyslexic like he just learned in a different way he just needed someone to guide him Mm -hmm. and you know a lot of times that's all we really need to like combat like this whole idea of stigma is we just need someone to help us it's not a matter of you know there's something actually wrong with you it's you just need help yeah and that like being different or needing a different thing than other people is not a weakness mm-hmm. and it doesn't make you yeah like you said less than anything I mean you wrote about this really well in that article for brown girl magazine um it's called five truths I want to tell my parents I really like I resonated so well with all of those and you know you talked really in depth about those core things that like I think is really hard to have a conversation about yeah yeah so what I really heard there was high expectations from mm-hmm. of myself, having high expectations of myself, high functioning, and then of the other. And so if parents just stopped to ask, how are you doing? 
you know like yeah. what's what's up in your life and mm-hmm. if children felt no judgment and able to really honestly mm-hmm. say what was going on in their lives like Simran if you could have honestly told me mom I feel like I'm in between and just say this is how I'm feeling and I didn't have to solve the problem I think a lot of times when kids say things I know as a parent mm-hmm. I want to solve your problems and kids don't mm-hmm. need problems to be solved they just need to be listened to so yeah yeah and I think Devi you wrote about this um the truth number two was uh, don't leave me alone um which I thought was like whoa it like really blew my mind where you know as kids like mom you're saying I wish you could have talked to me but I remember so many times in my life where I would just been like oh just leave me alone like I don't want to talk about it and you kind of push away but that that push away is also a sign that your kid needs needs to talk to you and that you need to be persistent in that and it's going to be hard and it's going to be scary and you're probably going to argue and you're probably and they're probably going to continue to resist but that it's you know the support's maintained but isn't it interesting that you know we we're talking about how parents if they just checked in with their kids and asked right i think mm-hmm. I, I completely agree and i understand but a lot of times like our parents have our, their own mental health stuff <laughs> yeah <laughs> to be yeah. honest right and um they're they're not there they're not able to come up to their kid and ask either because they're so mm-hmm. barricaded by their own thing right like i i think about how mm-hmm. i'm going through my own mental health stuff right now but there's no way that I can ask my parents to 100% be there for me because I feel like they're also going through their own set of issues and so we're feeding into this like cycle where like and nobody's okay and we're all just like nobody's nobody's okay okay. like seriously there's not one single person that's like 100% okay but then at the same time nobody's talking yeah nobody's okay yeah. nobody's talking because nobody's okay because nobody's talking because nobody's okay because nobody's talking so it's just keep going Vedi, you look like you had something just to share there. <laughs> so, I, I, sorry, um, I just, I think the thing is, like, especially with South Asian parents, I think a lot of times the thing is they know how to be a parent, but mm-hmm. they don't know necessarily how to be a friend. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times, like, that really creates a problem between parents and their children because you know how to parent, you know how to, you know, guide your kid in the right direction, but you don't necessarily know how to just sit there and listen to them because you're like, oh, you're in pain. Like, something's wrong. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. you, like I need problem. to, like, put you in, like, tutoring lessons or something like that. Or you need to, like, no. do this or you need to do that yeah. like, for me to fix this. But mm-hmm. it's never, okay, well, I can just be patient. Maybe I should just listen to you for a few days or something like that and mm-hmm. see what's on your mind. And I think I'm even guilty of doing that with my sister. All the time. All the time. I want to fix All the time. All she the time. says that. You know, wanting to fix. She'll say anything. Any, yeah, small little thing. I'm like, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. But I and think that like, also goes back not? to perhaps like, there's two kinds of support. I know for me personally, there's two kinds of support sometimes um, that I envision. One of them is I honestly just need you to listen to me vent. And I, again, mm-hmm. am the kind of person that I don't need anybody else to give me solutions because I know my solutions best and I know what to do best. But I think um, that's what I sometimes need is just somebody most 90% of the time, I just need someone to listen me like ramble and vent. Um, And then 10% of the time, I actually need someone to tell me what to do. I think that there's such a big expectation for us to show up for people in our lives by doing that that 10% bit, right? Like, that mm-hmm. um, I, I know, so I have a friend in my life who, I mean, I've kind of been a little bit estranged from for a little bit. And I think that the reason for the falling out is because 
Um, I feel like I, I have to give a solution to that mental illness um, as opposed to just like listening and being there. And I think that there's such a disconnect sometimes between how you can support people in your lives who have mental health issues. And perhaps you can speak to that after um, Auntie goes Vedahi because I think she really wants to say something. But perhaps you can speak to the to c- the kind of support that maybe you and Manmukti kind of model for people who have uh, mental health problems. Um, so I definitely think, you know, the for a really long time, like since the month they kind of started, it was in the beginning, you know, geared towards more people, younger generation sort of thing. But now we've definitely like, after being around for two years now, we just actually hit our two year anniversary. Yay! Happy um, anniversary! <laughs> Doing amazing, much needed work. Yeah. But like, I guess after being around for two years, I think, you know, we've realized that you know, while we think that, you know, the college slash young adult demographic is what needs to be focused on, we've realized that, you know, the older generation, even the younger generation are open to talking about it now. And even if it's like a few people like in between, like it's still something that we want to cater to. And that's what we're trying to do at this point is, you know, cater towards those extremities that we're we've been kind of leaving out um because I think with any like mental health organization like for South Asians I think the focus has always been younger people like probably from like maybe like 16 to 30 maybe young in a sense um but but there isn't you know that sort of dialogue for other generations Mm -hmm. but I think you know now we're really trying to open up that discussion for um other generations and you know bring them into like what we're talking about and stuff and really spread awareness to that because you know as much as we think it's just us that's affected it's it's also other people it's not you know just us Mm -hmm. because kids like kids live with their parents right and they grow up around especially south south asians you grow up around so many different generations and so many family members and it's kind of like everyone's going through it together Mm -hmm. exactly so um i think you know one thing i've really noticed is that like when i guess my parents were growing up like it was always you know you listen to your parents you don't necessarily like have a dialogue aside from that so you know if your parents say oh you know this is not like it is but that just means like both cut them like you're you're not going to talk about it Mm -hmm. what what I was going to say was when you were talking Harpo is let the person know what you need from them like if my kids tell me mom I want you to listen and I want to vent I personally can only let you vent for 10 minutes, maybe 15. And I'll put a timer on, vent for 15. And then we'll start she again. She does do that. Because, <laughs> because if you're going to vent for an hour and then tomorrow vent again for an hour, you're in a cycle. Mm-hmm. So, That's what I do. Yeah. So vent, vent. And then after you finish that, okay, you've cleared a bit of stuff. What's here now? And then I still don't have to solve your problem, but then you let me know, okay, mom, now I want to just go through some ideas. Like, just let me know what you want from me. And if you want me to give you solutions, let me know that because I've got lots of ideas. Mm -hmm. And I actually ask for that myself. When I call Shubnita, I say, Shubnita, how are you feeling? Like, like I'm feeling emotional right now. How are you feeling right now? I want to check into the other person's state 
to see mm-hmm. are they able and then I'll do my emotional bit and then I'll say but I'm actually I'm all right mm-hmm. just because I've got emotions doesn't mean yeah. I'm ill or anything I just if I hold them ill that's when I'll get ill I think that I love when I see that between you and your kids, but I think vast majority of people do not think that way at all. You know, um, I don't think myself or people in my life have ever had their parents say, like, what do you need? You know? What? <laughs> no, seriously? No, seriously. I, I've never been asked that question. I don't know if really? you have. He, Sim, Sim's got I mean, it good, but, you know, we've never been asked that question, to be honest. It's, no. I think it's always, for me, it's always been okay, you have this problem, but what can you do to fix it? It's never been, okay, but what do you need? Yeah, or like, when's it going to go away? What is the problem? Yeah. I just want to say, you know, as a parent, I do find it very difficult when my my children are going through a hard time. And I think what I have to learn for myself is, like, if you want to vent for three days, great. But I can't be present for it. Like, I'm sorry, but I can't because mm-hmm. I, I need to. But that's you doing your own emotional work for your own mental yeah. health, yeah. right? Which I think a lot of parents don't know how to do. So there's something that I tweeted um, a little while ago. So last week I had a day where I had a very emotionally packed day. And literally all I wanted in the entire world was for me to just like sit there and vent about it to my parents. That's all I needed. I just needed to vent. I didn't even need them to like fix it or anything. But I went and I tweeted something because I felt like, it, um, it really made me feel a certain way that I wasn't able to talk to my parents about it. Um, I'm just going to pull it up here. I thought long and hard today about how I protect my parents from my own problems and stress as to not add to their already existing problems and stress. In this way, I find myself literally combusting inside all to ensure my immigrant parents don't feel even more burdened. I also reflected on how I started doing that at such a young age, from small things to the really big ones. We gained that consciousness so early on. Can my fellow second gens yeah. relate? And oh. I got so many people either saying, mm-hmm. yes, we can relate, we can relate. And then there was one particular response that I got that I honestly just blew, it blew my mind. And it was that that's how you can start to go into a depressive state when you don't talk to your parents about it. And this person reflected Mm -hmm. and said that they also thought this way, but then once they opened up to their parents, their parents felt really bad that that's what they had been thinking all along. And that any parent, Mm -hmm. all they want is for their child to be able to come and speak to them. But I think what happens is that like for me, yeah, I can see that that person responded and I agreed, but it's still not enough for me to be like, okay, I'm going to go in. I'm going to go talk to my parents now because I don't want to go into Mm -hmm. depression. And I think like, it's just like, what is that? Right? Like I I want to unpack that and maybe we can do that here. I don't understand why I'm still going to hold back, even though I know know it's going to perhaps send me into that spiral I there's still something there that still holds me back I've got an answer (laughs) you're gonna love this Harpo people are naturally creative resourceful and whole so what that means is if you think that your parents can't handle you venting or if you think it's going to send them into stress you're actually not holding them to be resourceful Mm -hmm. you're not holding that they'll say Harpo, not today, but I can hear you tomorrow, right? If each of us can just Mm -hmm. be that for each other, just be honest and say, you know, today, like there've been times like a friend has asked me to go for a walk and they needed to vent and I've I've said no, because I'm not at the stage I can. And there's other times when I reached out to a friend and I've told them, look, I'm in such a bad mood today. I just want to know, can you handle it? Mm -hmm. And they're they're honest with me. So be honest with each other and 
really believe that the other person is strong enough for your stuff mm-hmm. because you know you're strong if your parents need to vent hopefully you'll be able to say not today guys are okay really. i don't have that much freedom in my house <laughs> really no <laughs> i can't set those boundaries if they want to vent and i'm not having a good day they're gonna vent but oh. i think a lot of us can relate to that we just kind of have to take it sometimes Same. right yeah but it's just those small like things and i'm learning that in so many ways the small ways you can communicate and that those those little things are just saying like hey I can listen to you but only for 10 minutes like mom said or um just checking in with each other like we check in every time we meet but like otherwise I don't go around checking in with people and maybe I should be and maybe I should be checking in with myself more and saying what's your capacity right now yeah hopefully that's actually the second thing do that I get up in the morning and I I look at my tank and see how full it is and you know like if I need some self-care get the self-care Right. Right. Otherwise, your life's going by and you're not actually living it. You're just doing it. Mm-hmm. So I want to shift gears mm-hmm. here because I, I scribbled this down um, a little earlier when Vandahi, you said something. And it was, um, I think it was probably around the time that you said Manmukti was still kind of a concept. It hadn't necessarily become an organization yet. And someone shared the organization and you said you were still coming to terms with like your own kind of like, you know, you're, you're, you're dealing with mental health. I don't want to say your issues, but you dealing with mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, I just, I, I think that there's like this fine line, right? It's so we we exist in a society now where mental health is openly talked about and we encourage everyone to talk openly about mental health. But I think that there's also something to be said perhaps about, having to always talk about it, right? Like, um, I think that there's such a big pressure on, I've had a couple conversations. I haven't had overwhelming questions, um, conversations mm-hmm. about this, but how sometimes you feel like because we exist in a climate where everyone is talking about it, if we don't talk about it, that means we don't have it. Or that mm-hmm. because I haven't now told my friends, um, because I, you know, I mean, I don't know how to say this, without like sounding like don't talk about it. Um, But if I, let's say, don't come out on my social media platform and say, yes, I also deal with this, then then perhaps it's not as, like it's not there. Do do you guys see where I'm, do you get what I'm saying? Okay, Vedha, do you want to speak to what I'm saying? I get what you're saying. So, see, here's my theory. And I, like, I've tried to do research on this. Like, I don't, I haven't, actually like found anything on this like I don't even know if like research is being done on this but I've always thought you know like when a popular like someone I like consider popular in like the community I'm in or like someone I see like on Facebook that I'm friends with or something and I've always noticed that like someone that is popular and is surrounded by you know x amount of people like whenever they post something about their mental health like when I've when I've seen someone come out about that, they've always gotten like tons of likes, tons of comments, like all sorts of things where it's like, you know, like overwhelming amounts of support. And then I see other people and who like don't have that many friends. And when they like actually just today, like I was looking at someone's post and they they had put up a picture of their hand and they they had kind of scribbled different sayings that people said to them like negative phrases people said to them and that person only had eight likes where I remember seeing another person sharing 
their, you know, mental health was going down the drain or even myself. Like I last month posted that, you know, my mental health was terrible and I got 120 likes for that. Mm-hmm. And then seeing this person only get eight likes and it really made me like over time, like I, when I see that, like it, it just makes me think of the fact that, you know, you know, if you're known, Mm-hmm. then your mental health matters to people. But if you're not known or you're not popular, like you don't matter. Like what like, right. What kind of message is that sending to people? Right. And having mm-hmm. to constantly chronicle like to, for your for your own mental health or your own mental illness to be taken seriously, like do you have to constantly tell people about it? You know, mm-hmm. is my biggest thing is that if I mm-hmm. don't come onto Instagram and say, hey, everyone, it's Harpo. I've been going to therapy for six months. You know, that's true. But that's the first time I'm saying that out loud to people that don't know me here in this podcast. But if I haven't come out and said that on my Instagram, perhaps, or my Twitter, does that mean that no one is going to check in on me? Hmm. Mm-hmm. You know my views. Unfortunately, that's like like, the truth for some people. Like people, we aren't geared to check in. Like it's just, hey, go about your day until someone says something. Yeah, and I think that that's such a big disconnect, and that's probably honestly one of the main reasons we started this podcast is because we wanted to encourage having proactive conversations as opposed to reactive, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I shouldn't have to check in with Auntie after she's told me she's in a depressive state, but I should be able to just have those conversations beforehand before it even gets to that, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I'd like to say Mm -hmm. something here. What I do, what I've learned to do is like, and it just happened today, I met a friend who hadn't met for maybe three months. We're really close. And when, when we meet, we ask each other those really deep questions and we listen before we get onto the agenda or to the whatever, right? Mm-hmm. So get deep, get reflective, be honest. And I didn't have to care for her or carry her and she didn't have to care or carry for me. But because we talked about deep things going on in our lives in 15 minutes or so, we just felt so connected. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and then we moved on to talk about other things to, to keep on going. So take the time to check in with people that way. And if you need a check-in like that, ask for it, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, it, I think a thing that just popped into my head about a way to think about this is when you ask people how you are, like, oh, you say, hi, how are you? Mm-hmm. And everyone's just supposed to say, fine, thanks. <laughs> you know what I mean? And nobody, and then, and I think this, and this is something that I've, I've had conversation with a few people about where it's like, if you're going to say, how are you, be ready for the real answer. Yeah. Because I feel like it. that's become such a superficial, like, way to check in or it's a, it's a polite thing, but it's like, nobody really wants to know how you are. They just want to be like, they want you to say, fine. I did this with my, like, people at work every day. You, you would say, hi, how are you? Good, thanks. You? Good, thanks. And, like, that was the conversation that I had all day, yeah. every day. And it's like, nobody really wants to, and there's a time and place, maybe not work is the place to do it, but with it happens with friends not? too but why not why isn't work yeah. place to do it why not check in more than just fine thanks mm-hmm. okay so to wrap up this call um why don't we just go around the table and share what's your takeaway from our conversation today Harpo, looks like you've got one. Oh yeah, I'm ready. Um, I think that the one thing that I was really kind of confused about going into this um was this idea that 
South Asian mental health can sometimes sound like a cliche and it can just be like a banner mm-hmm. that a lot of organizations just like kind of put on, uh, but they don't really get nitty gritty in terms of why there needs to be more conversation about uh, mental health in the South Asian community. And I think Vedahi, you did such a good job at like the, the high functioning. Oh my God, it's blowing my yeah. mind. So I think oh. that was one thing that I'm going to take away is the high functioning. Um but also how much we were able to to unpack here today was really something that I'm going to think a lot about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My takeaway is actually a wish for our audience to let's get honest with each other. Like lives are at stake. And I'm not just saying that as a cliche. Let's get serious with each other. Let's get honest. Mm-hmm. Ask for what you need and find people who yeah. you can connect with. Mm-hmm. and have these kinds of conversations with and if it's not your family because they don't have the skills then ask for a counselor or a therapist ask for the help you need so honestly like i think actually and this may sound crazy but like nirvathanti seeing you here like for me is huge because i haven't like in any like interview podcast whatever that i've done so far like i haven't seen an an adult involved in any of this Mm. it's always been someone from the younger generation that I'm talking to and for me like I've I don't know like with my like struggle with mental illness and everything like I've always ran away from adults and seeing you being a part of this and like contributing so like passionately to the conversation and everything it just makes me realize that you know not every adult is out out there to get us like mm-hmm. and it's not even just not every adult but probably none of the are like <laughs> you know parents or whatever like they don't necessarily consciously like try to like put our mental health down they just don't understand sometimes right. and they need to like they need that conversation needs to happen with them for them to understand that we're struggling so I just, I thank you for being a part of this because for me like that, I don't know, that's just amazing. I, yeah, I, sorry. She's a fan favorite. Yeah. Oh, I love her too. <laughs> I miss her. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think it is needed and I'm grateful for today to know more about Manmukti and the work that you're doing and the resources that are available and the platform that's there now that you're speaking about like, you know, getting an old generation involved as well, like I'm, I'm grateful that that exists. I think that's what I'm taking away from this is that it's not just you. It's not just one person. It's everybody. And we're going to figure it out. <laughs> going to make it. We're, we'll get there. We'll cross the finish line eventually. We'll get there. <laughs>